Welcome to the Word Search Podcast with Bible teacher and author Rob Price. Each topic and series on Word Search is designed to encourage your personal journey into the treasures and truths inside the Scriptures. Word Search is produced by RP Media, a leader in faith-based podcasts. Well, welcome to Lesson 6 of our series, Maturing into Childhood. And this one we're titling, The Priestly Blessing, The Only Prayer Ever Recorded by God. It's found in Numbers chapter 6. But this is a prayer that I've been praying over my kids since I think they were probably in the womb. <laughs> On their way out to school, prayer time at night. It, it goes like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, this declaration was to be spoken by the family of priests back in the Old Testament over the people of, of Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. What God was saying was, is that you priests have the right to declare this prayer over the people. And I think today we have to ask the same question. What do we have authority over? Who do you spiritually cover? Your spouse, your children, grandchildren? How about your employees, your coworkers, your neighbors? Think about that for a moment. What is the area of influence that you have a circle of spiritual authority? Now, for sure, it's your immediate family. I know I've done that, and it's worked out. <laughs> In fact, I had one of my kids tell me a few, a few weeks ago, my youngest one, Jameson, said, that blessing thing really works, Dad. So a few years ago, my uncle told me about a book that he'd been reading called The Priestly Prayer of the Blessing by Warren Marcus. Well, a few iPad clicks later, I had downloaded it onto my Kindle app, and as I began to read the book, I thought, well, I thought I knew this verse as it's just a brief but pretty punchy prayer. That's easy to remember. This is something with a sense of declaration versus a request, but I was blown away by what I read in this book. I want to give you like the, the Cliff Notes version of this book, so I really recommend you get it. Again, it's called The Priestly Prayer of the Blessing by Warren Marcus. One of the biggest takeaways was Warren's observation that it's the only prayer ever recorded directly by God. Moses just dictated it from God to Aaron for Aaron's sons to pray and declare over his people. Wow. And that's just for starters. Almost a quarter of a century of being cozy with this verse, I feel now I have some divine magnifying glass to share in my own heart and to put in your heart as well. So one way to get deeper is to look at this verse in the Amplified. So let me read it for you in the Amplified version. Say to Aaron and his sons, this is the way you shall bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and watch, guard, and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and enlighten you and be gracious, kind, merciful, and giving favor to you. The Lord lift up his approving countenance upon you and give you peace, tranquility of heart, and life continually. 
And this is a tag verse says, and they shall put my name upon the Israelites and I will bless them. They meaning the priest, Aaron's sons. This version does a nice job of adding some synonyms and other parallel phrases drawn from the original language. But let's take a deeper dive now into the various key words and really get a much clearer image of this scriptural weapon. And I do call it a weapon. We're going to see that this prayer has God doing all the work. We just position ourselves to receive it by hearing it pronounced and declared over us. Think about that for a moment. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. It's like he's commanding himself to do stuff on our behalf. But he needs someone on earth, catch this, to be his intercessor, to be his mouthpiece. Well, that was Aaron. And it can be us as well, as we are the priest of our home and our family and our circle of influence. So let's begin with the Lord bless you. Now, I have understood the word bless to mean for years to say something good about, or another version would say to endue with power to succeed, I think the Amplified says. And these are both true in a stretched out sense, but what is the word picture in the original Hebrew language? Let's take a look. It is the word barak, B-A-R-A-K-H, and it's a Hebrew word. It means to bless, and it means to kneel down to give something of value to another. In Genesis 24 and verse 11, when Abraham's servant went to go find a wife for Isaac, the Bible says he had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time when the women go out to draw water. So that's, that's the exact Hebrew words used right there in Genesis 24, 11. Barak, it's a kneeling down. The camels kneel down so a person can receive the gifts the camel has been carrying on his back. You kneeling down is when you help someone pick up something that's akin to a blessing. The God of Israel here, who we know as our heavenly Abba, our heavenly Father, is pictured here as kneeling down in front of you to make himself available to you. The Lord bless you. The Lord kneel down in your presence. Think about this. It's the natural way for a parent and a small child to embrace each other. The parent takes the initiative. And it's exactly how our Abba Father positions himself to give us all the spiritual blessings that he wants to impart to you and I. The Last Supper reveals the meaning of the word Barak. From a New Testament perspective, John 13, verses 3 through 5, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Well, of course, he kneeled down to wash their feet. Can you imagine the disciples' reaction here? I mean, this is the beneath the Messiah's dignity, right? I mean, the disciples were like, uh, awkward. And Peter spoke for all of them, declaring their apprehension of unworthiness. Peter, Peter hesitated. He's like, you cannot perform this hygiene task for me. You know, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus says, uh, yeah, you will. You better get this or else you have no part of me. And so Peter quickly backed off and said, okay, um, have at it. It's funny, Peter had a terrible temper, but he was also very teachable at times. 
Jesus was blessing his friends and also teaching them how to be servants. Again, it's a final reminder of how to be great in God's kingdom. We must be servants of all. So in the book, Warren Marcus expands the Hebrew to English translation. So what he says here is, May Yahweh kneel before you, making himself available to you as your heavenly father, so he can grant and bestow upon you his promises and his gifts. That's all wrapped up in just that simple phrase, the Lord bless you. So our response as believers maturing back into childhood is that we are moved to humble ourselves, to bow down in his presence as well, to soften our hearts and have a great sense of expectation from the Lord as he blesses us. The next phrase is, and keep you. So the Lord bless you and keep you. I come from a military family, and I grew up many years in Europe. And so my dad would take me on occasion to see some European castles as a kid. And I noticed that they had almost type of a, a physical wall of protection or a, a water moat with a secured gate and bridge. And they were, they were called a keep. It was, it was called literally the keep. And I assure you, it was not easy to get into that castle. You are not getting in that castle unless you have been given permission. Well, the word shamar is the Hebrew word for keep. S-H-A-M-A-R. And it means to hedge about with thorns. See, the English word keep is a bit more abstract, but as is the case for most Hebrew consonants and, and verbs, the Hebrew word keep is very concrete. So let me explain the differences. An Old Testament shepherd might build a stone wall several feet high and then place thorn bushes on top of the stone walls to keep out predators. Well, Abba says he will place a hedge of protection, a thorny hedge of protection around us, hemming us in with thorns. Why? To keep the enemy of our soul from harming us. In Hosea 2 and verses 6 and 7, God declares that this word keep can also work in reverse as if to keep us from straying off the path. It says, therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will look after her lovers, but not catch them. She will look after them, but not find them. Same concept. The God of Israel, who we know now as our heavenly Abba, our daddy, our God, is pictured as enfolding you in his arms with a divine brace of protection. And anyone who comes near you is harmed by the thorny outer edges of his jealous love. Let me take you to Romans 8 and verses 35 through 39. The Bible says this, you'll know this one. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hedge, thorny hedge, keep, keep, protect. Flip over to Psalm 18, the Bible says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield, there it is again, and the horn, which means power, the horn of my salvation and my stronghold. 
my keep. And when we all know Psalm 91, verses 1 through 3, oh, I love this one. This is from the NIV. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler snare, from the deadly pestilence. Pause right there. He will save you from the fowler snare. That last phrase carries a fascinating analogy, which I think you should be aware of. Before there were firearms, birds used to be captured by a hunter taking young birds from a nest and then raising them by hand. Now tamed, the birds were confined in hidden cages so that their voices would call others of their same kind. And then the arrows of concealed hunters and fowlers could then kill the birds. This scripture refers to being protected from the fowler's snare, this particular tactic in which the innocent, the young, the impressionable people are entrapped by Satan himself. And can I say this, raised by his voice. Their voices or the very character of these people attract others who are of like kind, meaning those who have their same faults or weaknesses. Those who are attacked are then picked off by hunter demons who are ready to kill, steal, and destroy. Well, the Father says that he will protect you from the fowler's snare. Keep, protect, preserve. So Warren Marcus's expanded Hebrew to English translation says this, May Yahweh guard you with a hedge of thorny protection that will prevent Satan and all your enemies from harming your body, your soul, your mind, and your spirit, your loved ones, and all your possessions. You know, there's been times when in my prayer life with God that I, I, and I say this carefully, I get militant, I, I declare in rage to the spirit world that none of my children shall be lost. None of my children and grandchildren will be lost to the enemy. Not a single one. My line, my seed is blessed. My seed is mighty in the earth. The Lord will bless them and keep them. And I mean it. And every foul spirit in hell that can hear me knows I mean it. And I'm declaring God's word over my family, period. End of discussion. So we have the Lord bless you and keep you. And then the Lord make his face to shine upon you. So let's look at some few key words from this phrase. Well, panim, P-A-N-I-M, not panini or Panera bread, but panim is the Hebrew word for face, P-A-N-I-M. And it really means someone's entire being. Panim is a plural word, so it implies more than one face. Interesting. We know that Godhead is a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, the root word is pana, P-A-N-A-H, and it means to turn, to turn. So when we behold our Father's face, we see him as he truly is, all of his expressions, all of his emotions, all of his thoughts, his judgments. I mean, anger, wrath, hate, grieves, jealous. These are all things that God has and feels. We can sense that same thing that he hates sin. We can sense his anger at the sin in our own life. Plus the positives, the love, the patience, the pleasure, the compassion, and the forgiveness of God. The Lord make his face, his entire being to shine upon you. We see several face-to-face communication passages in Scripture. One of them is in Genesis 32, 30. The Bible says, 
So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Same root word. Recognize it? Peniel, Pana, same concept. And then Exodus 33, verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Psalm 27, 8, David says, my heart says of you, seek my face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, for you have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me. And of course, in Isaiah 6 and verse 1, the Bible says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Skip on down to verse 5. Woe is me, I cried. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, for I live among a people of unclean lips. And here it is. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And if you think seeing God face to face is just reserved for the big boys, Jacob, Moses, David, Isaiah, well, you're not. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, the Bible says, now we see but a poor reflection, but then later, right, we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. We too will one day behold the glory of God face to face. Now, on to the next word. The key word is shine, and the word is or, O-R, and it means light divided from darkness. Go way back to Genesis 1, and you see the passage when Darkness came first, which represents chaos, confusion, raw materials, and then boom, here comes light. It comes second, which represents order, clarity, creativity. The face of your heavenly Father shines or lights upon you, and in so doing, brings divine order into your life. Singularity, focus, vision, alignment with heaven's will. So when this prayer is proclaimed over you, the glory from the face of your heavenly Father is activated to shine upon you. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Well, when we approach the throne of grace, we're seeing God's face. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16 through 18 tells me this, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And then James 1, verses 17, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So the God of Israel, who we know as our Heavenly Father, is pictured as loosening His embrace then, while still keeping you in His holy hand. So He's kneeled down. <laughs> the Lord bless you. He's kneeled down. And He's keeping you, holding you, embracing you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. So He pulls back. So keeping His hands on your shoulders, He pulls away so you can now see Him face to face. And let his light fill your eyes. Such a powerful image. So Warren Marcus 
gives us the expanded again Hebrew to English translation. He says, may Yahweh illuminate the wholeness of his being towards you, continually bringing order, divine order, so that you will fulfill your God-given destiny and purpose. So our response as believers maturing back into childhood, we are to use our imagination to create a space in our secret place for intimate face-to-face contact with our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Abba, and expect the impartation of divine order and revelation. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The next phrase is, and be gracious to you. Well, Shanan or Chanan, C-H-A-N-A-N, is the Hebrew word for gracious. It means to show favor to, to exhibit a yearning and inclination toward, to demonstrate a longing for, to exhibit compassion, to be considerate of, and to demonstrate a desire to spare. You may want to back up this part of the podcast and hear that again. Just let it sink into your consciousness. In 2 Chronicles 30, verse 9, the Lord is described as gracious and compassionate and promises not to turn his face from the Israelites if they return. Psalm 86, 15, the Lord is described as being full of compassion and gracious, slow to anger, and abundant in mercy and truth. And Matthew 3, 16 through 17, the Heavenly Father shows grace to his own Son. So the God of Israel, who we know as our heavenly Abba, is now pictured here as revealing his perfect, full-grown, mature love to you as your Abba with light-filled eyes and a beautiful smile. So, again, Warren Marcus's expanded Hebrew to English translation says, May Yahweh provide you with perfect love and fellowship, that grace never leaving you, and give you sustenance, provision, and friendship. Grace, grace, grace. So our response as believers maturing back into childhood is that we should expect favors, expect grace from Abba. Why? Just because he's Abba. There's not always a reason why. He just blesses you. He just graces you. And the last phrase is, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So let's break down that first part. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. The word here is nasa, or nasa, yes, N-A-S-A, the Hebrew word, which means uh, to lift, to continually carry, or to take up. Yes, that is where probably the space agency got its name, nasa, as in lifting up rockets to the sky. Well, David deeply understood this truth. Look through the Psalms, Psalm 9, verses 13. O Lord, see how my enemies persecute me, have mercy, and lift me up. From the gates of death. Nasa, nasa me. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Psalm 18, verse 47, 48. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. There it is. From violent men, you rescued me. And Psalm 27, verses 5 through 6. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me. There we see keep again. Keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high. There it is. Nasa, Nasa, set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted. My head will be lifted up above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy and I will sing and make music to the Lord. Our God lifts up, he nasas, those he loves. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, we see God carries the Israelites on a corporate level. 
Isaiah 46, we see God lifts up the elderly. In Ephesians 2, verses 6 through 7, I'll read that one. We see God takes us up to new levels of seeing his grace in the future. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, of course, that's a Greek word, but the same concept is there to lift up, to raise up his countenance upon us. So Warren Marcus's expanded Hebrew to English translation says this, May Yahweh lift up and carry his fullness of being toward you, bringing everything that he has to your aid, supporting you with his divine embrace and his entire being. The Lord lift up his face, his countenance upon you. And the final phrase is, and give you peace. S-I-Y-M, Saim, is the Hebrew word for give, to give, give you peace. It means to cause something to be established, to place, to appoint, to lay upon. In Job 33 verse 4, he gives his breath of life. In Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, he gives Israelites wealth and prosperity. In Deuteronomy 12, verses 10, he gives rest and safety from the enemies. In Psalm 68, verse 35, he gives strength and power. Saim gives, established, appoints it. So the word shalom, we know that one from a lot of other teaching. Shalom, S-H-A-L-O-M, is the Hebrew word for peace. And it means completeness, wholeness, the absence of strife and war. It also means to make full amends or restitution. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9, verse 6, and also Luke 2, verse 13 through 14. But let's remember, peace costs something. The related Hebrew root words are shalem, which means to pay for. Very interesting. And shulam, which means to be fully paid. Shalem, S-H-E-L-E-M, to pay for, and Shulam, S-H-U-L-A-M, to be fully paid. I find that most fascinating, that peace costs something. It costs the very life of Jesus hanging on a cross to purchase that peace for us. So in closing, Warren Marcus's expanded Hebrew to English translation says this, May Yahweh set in place all you need to be whole and complete so that you can walk in victory moment by moment by the power of the Holy Spirit. May he give you supernatural health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfection, fullness, rest, and harmony, as well as the absence of agitation and discord. That's a lot wrapped up in the word, give you peace. So our response as believers who are maturing back into childhood is simply this. Could you memorize this entire passage? Numbers chapter 6, specifically verses 24 through 26. And as you do, you will experience the power of God's own prayer over you for yourself. God bless you.